Welcome back to the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message, Identifying the Character of Our God. From Nahum, chapter 1, verses 2 through 8. Nahum's prophecy comes against a people whom God had delivered from judgment and saved just a century earlier. One of the most remarkable revivals and spiritual awakenings occurred in Nineveh following the preaching of Jonah. Now they have gotten away from the Lord and have once again become oppressors of his people. And it is the character of God that causes him to act on their behalf. Here's Pastor Tim. Our God is a God of inflexible justice. Our God is a God of immense power. Number three, our God is a God of infinite mercy. Of infinite mercy. With all of that power, and seeing the the end of verse number five, the whole earth and everybody in it, everyone must yield to his power. What it does for me then is make the questions that begin verse number six seem very appropriate at this point. If he's going to tell me all of those things about the Lord, then he asks this. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can endure the fierceness of his anger? The answer to both of those questions is no one. Nobody can stand before him that way. If God was right, (laughs) and he was, by the way, when he tells Moses, Moses says, God, I want to see your glory. Remember what God said to him? No man will see my face and live. If God says that to Moses when God is pleased with Moses, imagine our inability to stand before him in his, what does this word use? Indignation. In his fierceness, it says. We remember that the Bible says that he is furious with them. There's no way that they could stand before him then and live. And so Nahum tries to describe for us this personal devastation that comes on people when when God's fury is poured out like fire. Look at what he says. His fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by him. The writer of Hebrews said, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. In his justice and in his power, I can only yield to him. I mean, I mean, it's typical for us when we're called on the carpet for anybody who's an authority over us. When they want to tell us that we have done wrong, we want to defend ourselves, don't we? You can't defend yourself before God. If I can't defend myself, then I want to flee. I want to get out of there. I don't, want to, I don't want to stand before accusers. I don't want to stand before those that are even an authority of me. And so you find people who quit their jobs when 
life gets difficult and they get called on the carpet for what they've done. They just want to get away. But there's no getting away from the Lord. If no one then can see his face and live, and God is just and God is powerful, do I have any hope whatsoever? Not in myself. Not in my worth. Not in my achievement. But I do when I learn that our God is a God of infinite mercy. Of infinite mercy. I told you that we would come back to these phrases back in verse number 2. The Bible says that He has reserved this devastation. For who? For His adversaries. And verse number 2 says, for his enemies. In verse number 3, it says that he has reserved this devastation for the wicked. And if we read all the way down to verse number 8, we would find that it's for his enemies once again, he uses that phrase. But it's this final phrase of verse number 7 that brings us comfort. Look at what he says there. He knows those who trust in Him. He reserves His judgment and reserves His power and reserves His wrath for those who are His enemies. But to those who are His, He gives them mercy and gives them life. If there's no other reason to yield before God, then that one is it. You know, in the New Testament, it reminds me that the Bible says that when Jesus comes back, that Jesus, in 1 Thessalonians 1.10, that Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. That wrath is mine. I have earned it. He's not, he's not giving me what I deserve by getting me out of that. He's demonstrating the infinite depth of His mercy by allowing me to live when I should die. What a great thing to be known as one who trusts in Him. Let me give you one more characteristic. Our God is a God of intense goodness. Of intense goodness. Say, Tim, I just don't know how you fit all these things together. How can he be just? How can he be powerful and yet be merciful and be good? So other religions attack that simply by saying, you know what? We're going to have a God who is a God of justice. And he is going to be wrathful and vindictive and he's going to avenge himself and his people. And then we're going to have a God who is powerful, who is all-powerful. We're going to give all power to this guy that's vengeful. So we'll have somebody else who's like the God of all the gods. We'll have a Zeus who's in charge of everybody else. And then we'll have this, we'll have this little wimpy God <laughs> who is a God of mercy, who just weeps 
when, when bad things happen and people come crawling back to him with excuses. We'll, we'll give him that kind of God. It's not very powerful, but we'll give it to him. Then we'll have a God that's, that's good. We don't have to make up those things. God is all of those things. And should there be any doubt that the last one doesn't fit, Nahum thinks that it fits. Look at verse number 7. In as frank of a way of speaking as he did in verse number 2 when he said God is jealous, he says the Lord is good. He is good. What a beautiful, beautiful phrase. Now some people will balk at that for sure. They'll say, look at all the disease in the world. God is, God is not good. Look at, look at all of the disorder in the world. God is not good. Look at all the difficulties in this world. God is not good. Look at all the destitution in the world. God can't be good. Look at all the disasters. Look at all the death. God can't be good. If you don't get anything else, get this. The conditions in the world or the conditions of your life cannot discount the goodness of God. They can't. They don't overrule Him, and they don't come atop Him like waves. Instead, what you should do first is to consider what the Word says. David wrote, the goodness of God endures continually. In fact, listen to some of these psalms that are filled with praises of God's goodness. The Bible says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It says, For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endures to all generations. The Bible says, Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. And the psalm says, The Lord is good to all. The Bible's clear. God is good. He is. So consider what the Word says. Number two, consider what our worship says. In Psalm 135, verse number three, the Bible says, The Lord is good. Sing praises to His name, for it is pleasant. Well, that's what Ezra did. Ezra and his people This is what the Bible says about them. The Bible says they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord. And this is what they said. For He is good, for His mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord. That's what we do. We we praise Him that way. I had written this song down to remind you of, and then we sang it today. It's amazing what God does when He does that. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. That's what our worship says. Thirdly, Consider what his works say. In Psalm 145, verse number 9, David writes, The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his 
works. His, his tender mercies, his goodness is all over what he does. Spread all over them. So, so when you read through your Bible and you see that Jesus healed, he healed as an act of his goodness. When Jesus cast out demons, it was an act of his goodness. When he fed the multitudes, it was an act of his goodness. When he raised the dead, it was an act of his goodness. When he went to the cross, it was an act of his goodness. Undeniably, the Lord is good. And because he's good, notice what your verse here says in verse number 7. The Lord is good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. Reminds me that the Bible says God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. We run to Him in times of trouble because we know that we are safe with Him. Listen, the things that we've talked about, these four attributes, they don't conflict with one another. It is because He is just, because He is powerful, because He is merciful, because He is good that lets me know that I can run to Him and be safe. It means I can trust in Him. His goodness not only results in the deliverance of those who place their trust in Him, as it says at the end of this passage, but look in verse number 8. His goodness also extends to venging, venging, avenging our enemies. He says, but with an overflowing flood, he will make an utter end of its place. He's talking specifically about Nineveh. And he says, and darkness will pursue his enemies. It's an overflowing flood, but it's not an overflowing flood of water that destroys Nineveh. It's an overflooding, it's an overflowing flood of armies, an alliance of armies who came together and in three months wiped Nineveh off the face of the earth so that they could not fi- even find one relic of it for almost 2,500 years. He says, I will make an utter end of its place. In fact, look down in verse number 9 for just a moment. You see this exact same phrase. He will make an utter end of it. Affliction will not rise up a second time. So when God has put an utter end to someone's dominion, to someone's disease, to someone's domain, or even to the devil. He will not rise again. When Satan is cast into that bottomless pit, when he is cast into hell for forever, he is never, ever, ever coming back. And what he'll do to the devil then is what he can do to situations today. I know we like to say it about His goodness, but the truth of the matter is, God is inflexibly just all the time. And all the time, God is inflexibly just. God is immensely powerful 
all the time, and all the time, He is immensely powerful. He is infinitely merciful all the time, and all the time, He is infinitely merciful. You can just add this word into it. God is intensely good all the time. And all the time, God is intensely good. He will do that for you. Let's pray. Father, we know that in times past, you have corrected us. We have repented. We have yielded to you. We have had personal revival. Sometimes we slip back into old patterns, though. We backslide and we get away. Father, I pray that you would restore us once again. You would restore the fellowship that we have with you. That you would indeed revive us again, O Lord. That you would send spiritual awakening that would be so... Unbelievably glorifying that it would be like it was in the first and second great awakenings. Father, we await a third and ask that you would do it for your glory. Not just because we need it, but because you deserve it due to who you are. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just stand. Thanks for joining us here on Brit David Podcast. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is church office at BritDavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Brit David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Brit David Podcast.